2: If you want to make an impact online, GoDaddy.com has what you need. com names as low as $1.99. Plus, world-class hosting fast and easy website builders, and much more. As a listener of the Talking Metal Podcast, enter METAL2, that's M-E-T-A-L-2, when you check out, and you will save an additional 10% on any order. Some restrictions may apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com, official sponsor of the Talking Metal Podcast.
3: The best hard rock. The best heavy metal, Talking Metal, a podcast hosted by Mark Striegel and John Astronomy. Available through iTunes and most other podcast providers. Feel the power, feel the glory, TalkingMetal.com.
1: John Astronomy here. We are outside Sony 550 Records. Mark Street. There's only a few buildings in New York like this one that you
2: know what it is when you just say the numbers. Like 550. Everybody knows that's the Sony building. 1515, people know that's uh, you know, Viacom. Anyways, we're here in front of 550 Madison Avenue, the Sony label building here. We're about to go up, and apparently we're going to be some of the first people in the country to hear the new Judas Priest record.
1: Right, we are going to hear the record in its entirety, and we are totally psyched for this. And in addition, we have an amazing podcast for you guys today. We have the uncut Talking Metal on Fuse interview with the one and only legendary guitarist Slash.
2: Real quick on this interview, when we did the interview, they told us about two days in advance that we're going to be interviewing Slash. So I did not have time to read the whole book. They, I, I picked up the Slash book. And read about the first 100 pages, which is just a slight disclaimer. There's stuff Slash starts talking about that are stories from the book that I was, uh, at the time of the interview, uh, unfamiliar with. And that's because at that time I hadn't read the book. I've since read the book. It's a great book. Everybody should pick it up. We're going to follow the Slash interview with a little Velvet Revolver. Use the links on TalkingMetal.com to download some Velvet Revolver on iTunes.
1: Absolutely. Uh, We had a great time. We were hanging out at the Rainbow Bar and Grill. Sorry, guys, for asking so many questions about BMX biking. Everybody came down a little bit on me on that. But anyway, we had a blast. Uh, Slash was really cool. He showed us around the Rainbow. And uh, what else we got on this podcast, Mark? We got a band called Drive A. We're going to end the podcast
2: with Bruno from Drive A. He's checking in with us. They're a great young band. And we'll hear some of their music. We'll link them through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Guys, if you are in a band, this is a great opportunity for you. We need you to register your band's domain name. Like, you know, Nick has his band Speed Kills. Why not get SpeedKills.com or SpeedKillsBand.com or SpeedKillsFormerlyInvasion.com? or .net or .tv, whatever the hell you want.
1: Because right now, the Speed Kills website is myspace.com slash invasion, which is a little confusing. Makes no sense. Right. So here's the deal, guys. Go over to GoDaddy.com using the links on TalkingMetal.com, and if you do that, we have something special for you that Mark is going to tell you about. Listen, if you're in a band and you
2: go and use those links on TalkingMetal.com to make your purchase of your domain name, link it over to your MySpace page or whatever works for you guys, and you can prove to us that you bought your band's website domain name through TalkingMetal.com using those links, we will play and promote your band on the podcast. We will play a full cut of your band and we will hype the hell out of them. So it's a great opportunity. Anybody, please support Talking Metal. Listen, this is a free show. We don't ask you to do much for us. If you can go to TalkingMetal.com, go through the links, check out GoDaddy, make a purchase. There's gift cards. There's all sorts of great stuff. you got to use those links from Talking Metal to get over to GoDaddy, though. Uh, and, again, it's a free podcast. We have people always saying they want to give us money in uh, our PayPal accounts. They want to buy us drinks. We don't want any of that. All we want you guys to do is go to GoDaddy using our links and make a purchase. And you can buy just something little, you know, anything.
1: Yeah, six ninety five a year for your own domain name. I mean, you cannot beat that. And there are lots of cool things on GoDaddy.com as well. Now, there are three different banners on TalkingMetal.com. Sift through, figure out which one works best for you, and make a purchase. Support Talking Metal by supporting GoDaddy. And in return, we will promote your band. Play your band Hell, why don't we even do an interview with? We'll randomly
2: select one of these bands, and we'll do a full talking metal interview with them on the podcast. So there you go. We got. We're already late for our listening party here at Judas uh, the Judas Priest uh, label headquarters, Sony Five Fifty Madison Avenue. We're gonna run in, but here is Slash recorded. Right before Christmas last year at the Rainbow Bar and Grill in Hollywood, California, followed by a great new young band called Drive A, Bruno. Check out TalkingMetal.com for all the links and all that good stuff.
1: And we'll throw in a little music, some sound samples by Velvet Revolver and Drive A to round it all out. Yes. Cool. Check it out.
3: So and so fell down.
0: There.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah, we love the All right. Actually, can you get me an ashtray? Cause they actually let me smoke in here. Oh yeah. Man, yeah. I love that that
1: uh, firebird.
3: It's cool. That's nice. Did you get a black one too? Uh no, I just got uh. It was like a wine red. Or... Yeah, just the red one. Thank but you. I got a second one too. John does work for Gibson. I don't know if he told you. Yeah, him. no, I, I mentioned it. Well, he he just he him. Him, Yeah.
1: Thanks very much for coming down. Yeah. I, know, oh, yeah, yeah. I know it's going to be
0: annoying, but as much as you can kind of keep the cigarette down and uh, smoke in between talking, it's just because we got to kind of cut around it a little bit. Okay. So the show is called Talking Metal. Um, we had Dave Mustaine, Nikki Sixx, um, Dokken, um, Glenn Danzig, Mike Patton, a ton of people on We're just kind of hanging out. Younger bands, too. Yeah, Kill Switch Engage and Land of God. Um, we're just kind of hanging out talking metal with John and Mark um, we've been huge fans forever super laid back if you say something that you don't want on air we edit it so just let us know Okay. if there's something you don't want to talk about
3: can I get a, um, a cranberry and soda yep yeah yeah a
0: cranberry and soda okay and um, well if you curse we bleach it out so you're allowed to curse but, okay alright cool
1: do you want to wait
3: for your drink or are you cool to roll and
0: then we're gonna
3: it's up to you you, sir. Okay, I'm
0: cool.
1: Um, yeah? It, skip the slate
2: sure. okay. out <coughs> of Slash, thanks for coming down to the Rainbow hey. and hanging out with us. This place has so much history for you. I mean, one thing I'm learning from your book is that you grew up right in this neighborhood. Yeah. You know, so... And it's just odd because a lot of times you think of rock stars from LA, and you think, well, they came here from the Midwest or they came here from Pennsylvania or somewhere. But this is your hometown. Basically, your home yeah. Turf.
3: I wasn't born here, but I got here young enough to, you know, and I was pretty much raised here, and in this general area. Yeah. So. Right.
2: So it's not only memories from like your days with guns or slash a snake pit that took place here. It's like you have memories from. I, I was your coming BMAs. here way
3: before. I was I
2: was coming we,
4: here. I'm and sorry, All
0: right.
4: Can you just take the intro again? table thing Oh.
0: Okay.
2: Slash, thanks so much for coming down and hanging with Talking Metal here at the Rainbow Bar and Grill at uh-huh. Sunset. This is a place that has a ton of history for you. I mean, you grew up in this neighborhood, really.
3: Yeah, basically.
2: So... <laughs> i think the coolest thing is that you used
1: to ride your bike all around this entire area and terrorize places and do a bunch of yeah, stuff yeah we were pretty we were pretty bad actually you know it's, f- it's such a young age though like 12 13 12, 13 years amazing. old we're just complete hooligans you know it's very cool you yeah. know what um i was uh into to bmx and one of your favorite magazines was my favorite magazine bicycle motocross action yeah and did you ever hear of
3: R.L. Osborne or Mike? Yeah, yeah. The trick R- guys? R.L. Osborne, he was the son of the editor. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, so that's why he got that gig. Right. <laughs> but Scott, he was good, too. Scott Breihoff, Stu Thompson, yeah. um, the Patterson brothers. Um, there was a bunch of guys back then. They were like the forefathers of the BMX scene, and we were that, the, the younger generation that was chasing that, that whole dream around. What got you into that? I don't know you know maybe I just I saw somebody doing it and it just it just appealed to, I think I always was into bicycles and then when I saw what the possibilities were for freestyle and stuff I just picked up on that cool what kind of bike did you have? um I had a at one point I had a cook I had a Webco I had an FMF uh, mongoose was oh, cool. the, the last one i had was a red line wow and so you uh, had
1: like just about all the great brands yeah yeah, yeah. i had a schwinn and the, the problem with me with racing is it had skyway tough wheels on it and which were great for all it weighed the, like 85 pounds yeah yeah they, yeah <laughs> they, weighed, they were just too heavy and uh, i never won a race actually like i officially raced but yeah. i never won one but.
3: i did i did pretty well if i if i would kept going um you know i probably would have i mean i was like semi-pro i really wasn't making any money off of it but um i was just getting to that point where i was starting to get recognized as being oh, a half-decent cool. writer but uh, then all of a sudden the guitar came along and that sort of changed everything i have a bmx bike in, in my at my house now that wow. i just i just got it's a uh, cool. uh what's the what's the guy's name that um <coughs> a really big freestyler these days mm. You he know, made, I he made track, it yeah it? I, I can't remember his name offhand but anyway they just gave it to me so i've been riding it around the around my house and taking a couple decent spills on uh, it. No.
1: <laughs> I, I used to just try to jump anything that i could do yeah. and i used to make my own tracks and all that kind of stuff but you guys had pro tracks that you could ride. well the with.
3: tracks were one thing but we you know we did all the urban stuff around right. the neighborhood which is all street racing and we were insane and then you know on the weekends i'd go out to uh, out to the valley, Reseda, and then and actually race. You know,
1: and, and, and what's cool is it used to do the like the urban stuff where. Did you actually ride in like a an apartment building? It was your grandmother's apartment building. Well,
3: it, it, she just moved into it, and I didn't know that. And we'd been—it was it, this huge complex, and uh, sort of like a a, a block-wide com, uh, condo. And it had lots of different levels and lots of staircases, and it was just fun to, to. Was it done yet? It was. It was basically done, and I ran into her one day, and her and my mom. And it was about eight of us. Just we used to chase each other down the halls and try and shut doors and block each other That's off. That's great. And, you know, bunny, you know, bunny hop and and skid marks on the walls and all that kind when of stuff. When they
1: just freshly painted a wall, you yeah, 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 had yeah, a nice yeah. little track mark on
3: it. And uh, ran into my mom and my grandmother, and I was I, I was speechless. There was there was no spontaneous fucking lie I could come up with that was going to satisfy at that point.
1: But it, what what was great is that you said that you just kind of said, "I just came to see you, grandma," and, and your mom like. <laughs> Saw your buddies. grandmother's reaction and she was so happy to see you that, you, that she kind of just I went along it. with it. Yeah. Right? And she didn't even come down on you for that. Yeah, one. the repercussions
3: weren't too severe.
1: I just want to say you, had such, uh, you have such great parents, uh, your, your mom doing the fashion design, your, your father a graphic designer. And I just think it, it's so cool that they supported you and, and just, you know, were very cool. And th- the coolest thing is that they introduced you to so much music.
3: Yeah, that was a, it was a really cool upbringing. It was I was raised around a lot of really cool people and my parents obviously were very cool. And it's just funny that I didn't, you know, like all of a sudden get the the idea of playing music until I was right, know, until I was right. 15. And at that point I was pretty you know, I mean, I, I was still basically uh, close to my parents, but I was pretty much, an, you know, a tearaway. And right. so at 15, I was off doing all kinds of other stuff. Maybe you know? it
1: was because they were so into music that you kind of went off. It just know?
3: never occurred to me. It was such like the background music of my, you know, the, the background of my life was all around music. music right. It just never occurred to me to actually pick up an instrument. But I always thought they were cool. I spent a lot of time at rehearsals and recording sessions and at gigs and stuff, and I always had that... that um, that thing where you just see a, 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 a drums and a bass and all that, you know, guitar right. is set up, and I'd be like, wow, you know, it, it was, I thought that was really cool.
1: Till this day, I am like that. I have a, I know. an extra room in my apartment that I don't even go in that has... Uh, Three stacks, a drum kit, a bunch of guitars, uh, and I just like looking at them. Yeah, I and just said I, it's the same, the same
3: thing. thing with me. It's like guitars are, you know, I keep a guitar in the bedroom, you know, just because because I like to be able to pick it up at any time. But also, there's something very sexy about guitars, and, and I like to be in, in, you know, surrounded by instruments or be in, a, in, like you said, like a room that's all set up, or yeah. even just going to a local club before a band plays and seeing all the gear the set stage. up. So to was, me, it,
1: it's it, I, it, it's a turn on to see that kind yeah. of stuff. Slash, what are some of your
2: earliest memories of the rainbow?
3: Um, probably just getting in here. You know, I had a fake ID and I used to just come in and hang out. And I was, you know, probably the girls was the big thing. <laughs> um, uh, I think uh, I had one incident here. I mean, there was a lot of different things that happened. It was such a scene back. You know, when I was younger. Um. I think one of the things I did is I got actually busted on my ID. Oh, yeah. Coming in here one time, and I, I, uh, I was with Steve Adler, and we were going to go pick up on some chicks, right? Mm. And uh, so what happened was we get to Steady, who works the door. Ste- I think Steady's still working the door here. And uh, all of a sudden, he busted me on my ID, right? right. And Steve got in, it was ladies' night, it was Tuesday. And so I was like, fuck you know now what so I went back to my house and I was pretty drunk at the time and so I dressed up in my mom's clothes and came back as a girl and got in but my whole thing was I was going to pick up on Steven you know but when, right. by the time I got here he'd already taken off with some chick and that black cloud of all of a sudden realizing that I was dressed in drag right it hit me I'll never forget that <laughs> I know you, know you said that when you were going back home you thought that everybody I, every, was like every, whistling every, at you every, every yelling noise at you. everybody who said anything or whistled or anything I thought was directed at me it was the longest <laughs> walk to my car but uh you know a a lot of rowdy rowdy nights in this place and um you know as much as i ha- i hate to sort of advocate, you know, sort of L.A. hotspots or be right. sort of recognized as, as one of those guys that was sort of an L.A. musician, you know, because I hated that scene back then. The Rainbow was still always, you know, there's a, some, some sort of traditional thing about it because it was around way before the glam scene Going started. back to Led, Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin, yeah, Elton, Presley, Doors, even Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. so, so, you know, it's always had a special place in my heart for me, but I've, I've you know, I've even been kicked out of here. For <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember I threw a salt shaker through that stained glass window back there one night when I was drunk and they fucking terrible. physically carried me out. But my my grandmother told me a story about having to pick up my mom here in the parking lot because she was drunk one night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so but a lot of stuff is happening here.
2: Cool. Well, I mean, it, it, for me, I've been such a fan for a long time and I've seen you so many times through the years with guns and Slash's Snake Pit and Velvet Revolver. But I wanted to go way back to the first time I saw you. It was in Philly. You were opening up for Aerosmith, and there was some incident with Axel and his brother. And you, do you remember this at all? And the whole yeah. crowd. It was one of those things, like the Guns N' Roses at that time, usually when there was an opening band, the place would be half-filled. But the arena was packed, and it was just when you guys were, you know, really breaking throughout the United States, and there was just such a frenzy attached. Mm -hmm. to what you were doing back then. What are some of your memories of, like, was it hitting home? What was going on? It didn't,
3: it didn't, you know, we were just, we've been opening for so many people. The the highlight of the Aerosmith, you know, opening for Aerosmith was Aerosmith themselves and just having that. That was like a great camaraderie that was going on. It was a great double bill. But I didn't really realize that we were bringing a lot of the audience in ourselves until we played a giant stadium with them. And that was, you know, there was a lot of bands on the bill yeah, yeah, Deep Purple and Aerosmith, and then we were the third from the top, right? Right. And the, the you know, the place just went completely insane when we came on and that was the first time I, I sort of realized that the band on its own merit was actually starting to become pretty popular because right. for the first year and a half nobody knew who the fuck we were mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and we got an used to that thing, right? yeah. i got used to it yeah i, I, I actually
1: uh, when i first went to college i was 17 years old and uh, i had a songwriting teacher who said that i have to start writing a journal and i started it the day it was either september or october 1987. I went to the Paradise Rock Club in Boston and the bill was Ezio opening <laughs> with Guns N' and I remember ready. that place. Yeah. And I was right up front and uh, literally that was the start of my journal and I always referred back to that date. Mm. That and was a just fun, that a was blast. a fun
3: tour. It was a, um, those those early headlining club tours were great. Those that was that was the, probably the really the most fun, you know, cool. I had because it was real scrappy, you know. Right, um, absolutely. None of the none of the the uh, sort of luxuries of, of rock stardom had kicked in even halfway at that point, well, and we were just out there just kicking ass and taking names. And it was great.
1: I mean, and it like shortly after that, the the back at that same point, I went to see Ace Frehley play, and even though you guys had just come out, the the insiders knew about you, and I remember Ace had uh, pants on that had guns on him. And he had a T-shirt on that had roses. And he went, look at me, John. He goes, guns and roses. And that was September 87. That sounds like Ace. <laughs> and he, he, you know, he knew
3: how to spot some cool people yeah. at that point. And you guys were them. I did not know that. I had no idea Ace even knew who we were. Till. Yeah, he absolutely did. You know, he has that way about him where it's like, oh, yeah, you guys. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. No, nah, he, he loved you back then. Mm. back at the beginning now you know one of the things that i thought was cool and i just have to bring this up i know it's kind of a, possibly a negative thing but i read it in your great new book slash is and i love it because nobody talks about this anymore but cassettes
0: mm-hmm. you were
1: totally into cassettes oh yeah and what i think is crazy is that you were somehow able to like pack these on your body and your pants and you would like you know start out with a live record and then you'd Get the catalog. Get the whole
3: catalog. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was pretty ambitious, you know. When, if I if I wanted something, I would figure out how to get it. And uh, cassettes were very convenient, and and um, I I figured out ways, you know. At first, it started out with a few, and then it ended up being a lot. Up until the point that I got popped for stealing them, and right. that sort of. <laughs> right. It, was that
1: at Tower?
3: That was at Tower, Tower, yeah. And I ended up getting a job
1: there. Right, right. There, which yeah, is totally funny. wild. But I heard that when you got the job at Tower, you guys had some kind of like vodka and stuff, and you were going crazy with that. Well,
3: there was there was the Crew that worked at Tower when I first started working there, um, actually the whole time I worked there, but uh, there was there was uh, let's see. Axel and myself, and it was just a whole myriad of very colorful characters that were working there. A singer for you know uh, this one singer named Saul, who was like six feet long, who was the epitome of the hair metal kind of look, real big blonde curly haired guy. And then there was some uh, some other sort of very shady characters, a couple of the LA Guns guys, and we all worked there. And so we, you know I worked the night shift with Axel. So after the the shift managers all split, Axel was a shift manager. <laughs> after the main manager left, you know we go. Across across the street uh, to liquor locker and you know stock up on a bunch of booze and we put it all in the office and make cocktails and then we'd run the rest of the night and you freaked <laughs> out the porno people movies on the, oh, cool. on the thing you know uh, on the actual so, screens yeah, in, yeah. Tower? in tower wow. so it was it was pretty eclectic wow. you know kind of kind of vibe now didn't something bad happen and
1: Axel wound up taking the fall
3: for it he what happened was some, somehow we got busted and Axel was the shift manager so he got he got fired wow. all right and then I ended up being the shift manager after that and uh, but I, I, I didn't have i wasn't as uh... social so i had my drinking patterns but i didn't share them with the rest of it. well cool. yeah you know, and the funny thing is is late after after my stint at tower then dave kushner from I from revolver got a job there and he had his drinking problem there too cool. <laughs> he, he worked downstairs in the boxing section <laughs> and uh... which was where everybody went to go drinking he sort of carried on a very dark private dark drinking habit down there we were trying to actually figure out where
1: tower was where
3: used you... oh. Where did uh, it used to be? Well, you can't miss the Tower Records. I'm talking. I was at Tower Video, so oh, okay. Tower Records is this big building down the street on this on the north side of the street, which is not open. It's the biggest. It's the, the biggest structure on that side of Sunset. Uh, right after um, the street that I used to live on. Um, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> anyway, and then Liquor Locker is across the street, right across and the street. right, right across the street, going east, is the building, another closed building, where the Tower Dead used to be. Yeah. You, you spoke
2: about it in the book,
3: the Rocks record, which changed
2: your life. Yeah, and is it a record like a lot of records that when I was a kid that I just wore the grooves off of? It's very hard for me sometimes to still listen to them because I've heard them so many times over and over and over again. Is that a record you can still put on and enjoy yeah, yeah, as yeah. much as ever?
3: Yeah, there's a certain attitude to the Rocks record which I identified with when I was a kid. And uh, it, 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 you can sort of tell it set the stage for where I was going to be headed, mm-hmm. You know, unbeknownst to me. But I was that kind of rebellious... Um, troublemaking kid. That that was the perfect theme music for. You know? right. And it hit me like a ton of bricks the first time I heard it. And so I still identify with it to this day because I still, um, I might not be qu- quite as as uh, as much of a punk as I was at that point. You know, right. I mean, I've been around the block a couple of times now. You know, but uh, but that record still has an attitude and a um, a sound that I still identify with, and I still sort of go that direction. You know.
2: Yeah, Have you
3: heard the cover
2: version
1: of uh, Back in the Saddle that Sebastian and no. Axel put uh-uh. out. No, I no. haven't heard that yet.
3: My favorite <laughs> story. I, I like it.
1: Yeah. My, I was going to say my favorite story about that song is when, when uh, there was this older girl. And I'm just referring to the book again yeah. because I'm, I'm so into the book. But And I actually feel like I'm living it with you because you actually even said it almost reads like a journal. Yeah. And uh, and there was this girl named Lori, and you went to her house, and the whole you know point was to hook up with her. But then you they put on rocks, you put on rocks. Uh, and, she she actually. Put oh, it she on. put it
3: on? No, no, I put it on. That's right, I put it on. I saw it, I recognized it because I'd seen it somewhere before, and I'd actually heard like the first two songs. And so when I saw it, I was like, oh, it's that record, and I put it on. But uh, my 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 old girlfriend from way back. Way back when Melissa was in the book, right. so my first girlfriend. I saw her in Minneapolis lately. She says, "So, so that who's that chick Lori you were talking <laughs> about?" It's funny. What's cool about Melissa is that you kind of had this on and off thing with her for, yeah. for many six years. years. Wow. she's cool though. And it's so
1: cool that you just saw her in what, Minneapolis. Yeah.
3: Well, we've been, you know, we've we've kept in contact over the years. Cool. We have a lot of mutual friends and and. Uh, um, at some point, when Guns N' Roses started to sort of, you know, hit in Los Angeles, um, a lot of my friends from high school and junior high school started to become friends with a couple of the guys in the band. So, very incestuous kind of thing going right. on. Wow. And I was, uh, actually, it was ended up being pretty rough, rough on some of those kids. <laughs> you know. Um, anyhow, but uh, anyway, Lori. Yeah, she that experience over at her rec- at her place with that record. It was like. I just became glued to, to the actual album. And she was, like, the one of the hottest girls around at that point. Cool. And, uh, you know, and I had a, a definite shoe in, and I just blew it. But it was worth it.
1: Did you ever have a repeat engagement with
3: her? She didn't want to talk to me oh, again. Okay. I, I, I basically stood her up to her face for two hours in right. her, her apartment That's and funny. ignored the shit out of her. So,
2: Slash, I'm a big Alice Cooper fan. I was mm-hmm. uh, on my iPod the other day, and... Uh, this awesome version popped up of uh, No More Mister Mr. Nice Guy with you and Roger Daltrey, right. and also a big Who fan yeah. as well as Slash. I actually was
3: there. with Roger on a plane the other day, and we were talking about that. It's it was, awesome. Yeah, That's it's awesome. very cool. When did you do that? I don't. You know what? We were we were trying to figure that <laughs> figure that out. Um, I guess it was sometime in the early early nineties. You know, like probably probably. Uh, Ninety three, ninety two, ninety three. And Roger, I guess, is an Alice fan too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you, you actually played with Alice. You did.
2: Uh, you were on his record, mm-hmm. and then you guys did that uh, cover of uh, Under My Wheels, too, right. which is very hard to find nowadays. Is it? Yeah, it never was. Uh, I don't have a copy of it.
3: Yeah. But I played with Alice a bunch of times. He's another guy. It's actually not in the book. Um, the guy who used to do all all Alice's photos was. Uh, good friends with my dad. My mm-hmm. mom, my mom's best friend, did his makeup. Who was my dad's f- best friend's wife? Okay. Uh-huh. And so my dad took me over to John's. John's the photographer. John's studio. One time, and he was shooting Alice. And that was the first time I ever met him. And I probably was about seven, something, something wow. like that. And and uh, you know, but I knew who Alice Cooper was, and right. I, you know, I really liked him because, yeah. like some kids like Kiss, I liked Alice Cooper. Yeah. And he had that, that whole look to him and all that kind of stuff. And he represented the sort of dark side of rock and roll. and everything. Sure. So I dug him. Anyhow, so, uh, and I watched him, you know, watched him do his photo shoot and then watched my dad and John and Alice drink so more beer than I'd ever seen anybody drink. And then all get too drunk to be able to figure out how anybody was going to get home. And we ended up hanging out there until right. 4 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Or something. I remember falling asleep there. But that's my, that was my first introduction to Alice. And then... Uh, you know we opened for him and uh, you know we got to be really good friends he's sort of like in a way he he sort of took us under his wing you know to an extent when we were opening for him and i've just been friends with him ever since and we just did a gig uh for the scream awards recently oh cool yeah which was fun
2: cool i mean besides him you've worked with so many other like rock and roll and just music icons and Mm -hmm. iggy pop yeah Iggy's great memories of that you were in the video
3: and everything yeah 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 that was
2: was it what was the actually home? that was it started
3: something? yeah it was the song the video was home yeah home and then there was like four songs on the record but that all started here at the rainbow we met Literally. Duff and I met Iggy here and he brought his demo tape and it was just Iggy on acoustic and he asked right. us if we'd be interested in playing on it which of course was like a huge you know thing for Duff and I since, Oh yeah you know. so uh um we we hooked up with Don was and, and Iggy at a studio in Hollywood after that and sort of mm-hmm. Worked up these four songs. As. It was a great experience. I mean, uh, uh, Iggy sort of epitomizes the kind of rock and roll that, that sort of that I was weaned on. Right. Know? Right. So. Michael you know, Jackson. North Michael's Jackson. yeah. Michael's I mean, another one. I mean, in in his own way, I remember being a kid and, and listening to Dancing Machine and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's badass. You know, yeah. as crazy as Michael's existence obviously is, um, as an artist, he's one of the most amazing performers and most talented. Um, you know entertainers singers dancers I've ever had the pleasure of working with do you ever have contact with him anymore? I haven't seen him ever since everything went completely haywire with him I haven't mm-hmm. seen him I, I saw him towards the beginning of it over at uh, Robert Evans house you know we were right. talking about doing a movie and then the shit just went wide open after that wow. so I haven't seen him since he's been sort of a recluse I think he was living in Dubai or something yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. speaking of Dubai you guys
1: uh, I heard it gone over there we're
3: playing there yeah cool
1: now, I wanted to ask, as is, is many cool people that you played with, uh, and this is also a very cool person, but you said that you had a learning experience when you did something with Bob Dylan. What happened with that?
3: Um, well, Don was, since we'd done the Iggy Pop record, uh, I think I think he found that I was pretty easy to work with. Um, they had, uh, uh, Bob was doing this record called Wiggle Wiggle, which was like, I don't know when exactly this was, but uh, 1990 or somewhere in there. And uh asked me if I'd be interested in playing on a Bob Dylan record, which I was i I'm a huge fan of Bob Dylan's and that was one of the you know, like Blonde and Blonde and stuff like that was were records that my dad loved and I was basically raised on, you know, along with the Stones and all this other shit. So, um uh, I jumped at the chance, but I went down there and and, and uh and it was a great session. Uh, George Harrison was there and, wow. and uh Kim Bassinger was there. Wow. Why she was there, yeah, we why, don't know, how, but my, my guitar tech and I just sat there, and we were just like, wow, you know, in the summertime, and it's like, <laughs> how could you go wrong? But, uh, so I went in, and, I, and I, I met Bob, and he sort of told me what he wanted, and I just sort of played it the way that I heard it, and then I got the the finished version of it later and Bob had taken the guitar solo off and kept the uh, acoustic acoustic rhythm track. And I was like, what the fuck? I mean, that was one of the better one-offs, you know, like spontaneous sort of. uh, And so what was up with all that? And he goes, well, he just, he thought the guitar solo sounded too much like Guns N' Roses and just liked your acoustic stuff, which was big hole in the song, if you listen to right. it, the song goes along then the solo section you just hear the strumming and then the song picks up again, right. but um, it was a learning experience because you know, like I, I adapt easily, but sometimes you really need to pay attention to who the other artist is and what they're, because he had mentioned at one point, um, I, I had this great quote, play it like Django, right, right. which was, which out, is, right? there's, there's a style, there's a little bit of a style, there's a, that's a request that he's looking for a certain kind of feel. But uh, I was just very rough and tumble about the whole thing and just did it my way. And, uh, I'd love yeah. to hear the, uh, the track with your solo. About it. Yeah, I'd like to. I don't have a copy yeah, they, of it. They need to get that. We've got to go find those tapes. I'll, I'll see if I can talk Bob into re-releasing it. Right. There you, go. <laughs> you know,
1: I was going to ask uh, uh, about, uh, just speaking of guitars, uh, you, your first Les Paul copy was of Memphis, which I remember that brand, Memphis Guitars. Yeah, absolutely. And did you ever think that all these years later not only would there be slash model Les Pauls, but there would be friends with Les Paul, and also I feel that you are the guy that when everybody else was playing pointy Jacksons Kramers and, and Kramers and all right. that stuff, which I think are cool, um, but my favorites are, my favorite guitars are Gibson Les Paul, you brought that back
3: into rock.
1: Some, some people have said that, I,
3: no, I mean, actually none of it, I mean, when I first picked up the guitar, it was pretty much just very much in the moment, and I didn't have any real big sort of fantasies about the future, I mean, obviously, you have those those uh, sort of kid fantasies of like the stage and this and that and the other, I'm sure that that was all there, but I, I was really sort of working towards just being able to play the guitar and learning how to write a song. And, all that kind of stuff so I had no visions of the, of the future at all wow. you know but uh, it's funny because that was, Les Paul was my bait I mean you have to understand it's like I identified with um, a lot of guitar players but I didn't know music well enough to know what sound you know what equated to which guitar and all that kind of stuff right. but the Les Paul was one of the cooler looking ones and so I've, I always sort of gravitated towards towards uh, Les Paul now, I didn't even know who Les Paul was then wow. I didn't find out who Les Paul was until um, probably after I got that Memphis guitar, and cool. then finally discovered Les Paul. But the first
1: time I, I had the honor of meeting you was at uh, an event where they reopened the Iridium Jazz Club mm-hmm. in New York City, and Les Paul played and you were there, right. and it was such a, a cool event to yeah, so see you and Les He wiped stage the stage or... up with me, I think, I not remember. <laughs> nah, nah, I, think it, it I, had, I
3: played with Les a lot, a lot of times, and I, the first few times it was pretty hard, because He's such an amazing guitar player and I'm just a rock guy that just sort of like the two of us together I really had to to learn some chops and wow. progressively I would always use uh, gigging with less as a barometer for how how good I was getting technically wow. on guitar. I heard that if if uh if he thinks the vibe isn't
1: going well with one of his uh, special guests, he'll say in the microphone, uh, there's a phone call for you backstage. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, does, he really does. He does, <laughs> he does
3: have some funny things that he does when it gets like a dead spot. Right. you know. And he'll start joking with you. It's a very humiliating. Even in the audience, watching somebody going through that, I've seen him do it. Yeah. Um, you know what's
1: crazy? That night, John Parris, who's a, a great guitar player, uh, Les goes, uh, John, come on up on stage. And he was just it took him like three minutes, and then by the time he came up, he goes, nope, that was your chance. You're off. <laughs> You're off. You're done. Hey Slash,
2: uh, um, Owen. You know, in the past, you've uh, mentioned that you like Megadeth, and I remember seeing you in an Anthrax t-shirt. Do you listen mm-hmm. to much metal anymore, like? Bands well,
3: or? I haven't. I listen to Megadeth a lot. I, you know, Anthrax has Anthrax hasn't put out uh, a new record that I'm aware of. Um, it's in been a little while, years, yeah. but uh, back in the day, there was there was a lot of you know there was obviously Metallica who was great, Megadeth was fucking awesome, and Anthrax was also one of the bands that was actually pretty cool out of that slew of bands. So I, mm-hmm. I was always down for any of the bands that were actually genuine, and yeah. that was that was actually a lot cooler than what was going on right here on the Sunset Strip as yeah. far as bands were concerned at that time. And uh, so yeah, you know, you always sort of. You know, support your peeps. You know? Yeah. Definitely.
2: Do you remember hearing Metallica for the first time? Oh, um, it,
3: it, yeah, on Fairfax and uh, Melrose. Someone turned me on to a cassette, which was one of uh, Metallica's first releases. I'll never forget that because it was, was pretty. It like a demo, it, or was I can't. It, it was. It was an under. It was a gr- under. You know, underground tape. It might have been Kill 'Em All. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what it was at the time, but uh, it just sounded fucking intense you know right and uh that was my first exposure to them and then i didn't really go and buy any of their records till master of puppets came out which right. is still to this day one of the most standout metal records of all time yeah
2: absolutely. and
3: i and that's when i really got into them and then i went back and bought their other two records and um have been a fan ever since cool um we should probably like maybe just like two or three more
0: questions oh okay um one thing i want to talk about was um in the book, talk about how I know if I meet a musician I really like, it sometimes affects how I listen to their music. And you said, like with David Bowie, like knowing him personally kind of like enhanced how you saw him on stage. And um, so I was just wondering if there was any other musicians that your personal interactions kind of affected their music. And also, did that influence what you put into your book and kept out of the book? as far as like what you wanted the fans to know about
3: you. You obviously think this book is a lot deeper than it really is. <laughs> <laughs> no, so say like no. different things that you've done, you know. Yeah, no, um, okay, so how, you want, you're going to translate that into a yeah, question? Yeah, should, should I ask it? No, you can
0: kind of okay.
3: just answer it and just look to them. Mm. So I'm going to put this right here? That's cool. Or you want me to keep, it down, keep it down all down. together? All right. all right. You can keep it
0: on the table.
3: the astronauts. Okay, Don't that's worry cool. About it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's all good. All right. Um. Anyway. That's an interesting question. Okay, how are you going to ask, ask it? <laughs> um, he doesn't have to answer. They'll,
0: okay. they'll
1: just
0: introduce it oh. in the studio. And yeah, we'll say, and like,
1: so. so like, you, you had a chance to
3: meet people. Like, um, oh, we, hold up, we're having an
0: uh, audio issue. Hey, I'll,
3: I'll try to translate. Okay. okay. Sorry about that. Is there anyone can just move the mic up just a touch? Because you're leaning in on it. Where is it? It's uh, it's right here. I just to move it over there. Okay. Oh, let, let me jump
1: no, up. No, so. cool. a Sure, guys. Yeah, sure. Got
2: a couple more. Yeah, I could. <clears throat> yeah, I, I totally got to so, good so, Saw you on New Year's Eve in New Jersey a couple of years ago. We're playing Yeah, you're coming back. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. York, yeah.
3: yeah. We're, we're playing uh, Trenton on the 29th. I'm playing Trenton. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Mark, you still live yeah, right down near the right side of Trenton. I don't know the name of the venue, though. Yeah, there's a new, like, arena-type uh, yeah. place downtown. Huh. It's pretty new, actually. Yeah,
2: I'm sure that's where it is.
1: So... Yeah. We're
0: good,
1: everyone? Yeah. Okay. So, Slash, you actually used to have so many cool people hanging around when you were a kid, people like Stevie Wonder, Carly Simon, David Bowie, and once you met people like Bowie, did that have any effect on what you thought about their music?
3: Um, well, with David, when I first met him... Um, he had just come out with Young Americans, which is, was a great record to me then, as much as it right. is now. Um, it, did, he didn't, it didn't really have any effect on me knowing him until way later, and he became you know such a major musical influence. Right. And the fact that he played with Mick Bronson. you know, it's right. like, why oh, the fuck did the... I know all that shit? What well, <laughs> I know now, back then, you know, but that's just the way it was. I played with, uh, I played on one of. Um, Carol King's records cool. and she was was a, a pretty big staple in the business when I was a kid and um, I met her when I was younger and of course she wouldn't ever remember it but we have a mutual friend uh, Teddy Andreatas who's a he played with her so he, uh, cool. I did a couple gigs with her and I played on her record and, and it was way interesting almost uh, um, one of those kind of experiences where she's such a she's such an amazing artist such a great lyricist and piano player and songwriter in general that you feel sort of very humbled in her presence you know. and uh, you know getting to play with her was a great moment and it's funny that this is the same lady that I sort of no, y- I you know didn't I didn't have that kind of respect for her when I was younger and wow. um, see I haven't I haven't really played with too many people I've met a lot of people but I haven't played with too many people that um, I knew when I was a kid, you know, so I haven't had have that experience too often. Wow. One of the coolest things is that
1: you. Uh, except recently for Iggy. Oh, except yeah. for Iggy. Right. But he's
3: what so down say. to earth and unassuming uh, as a as a human being that he breaks down that barrier like instantaneously, you know. So. Uh, I love Iggy. I, I love uh, the song Cold Metal. Yeah. Remember yeah. that song? It-
1: okay, I was just going to say, I think <laughs> one of the greatest things is that you were recently inducted into the uh, Rock Walk of Fame. Yeah. And, and is your. St- you know, uh, start right next to
3: uh, Page in Van Halen. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I forgot exactly how it's configured, but somewhere close to. I mean, that, that congratulations assignment. on that.
1: That was just this year.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And speaking of Which Page, is the- did you see any
1: of the footage
3: of? The I haven't seen. I haven't stuff? seen anything except for a couple of news clips that were real short on yeah. on irregular network news. Mm. But I was good, gonna but go. But yeah, heard, yeah. Yeah. It sounded good. Yeah, so I'm I'm stoked about that, and I hope they continue to do it so I can actually go to a gig. Yeah. That was really sort of a disappointment, not going, but I had too much stuff going on here. Right. Yeah. What about Van Halen? I sent them all notes, though, saying break a leg and whatnot. Uh, The Van Halen thing I haven't seen yet, but I'm planning on going. Um, They just had one the other night, and I did not even know. Oh. Steve Lukather called me up, and I was sitting at El Pollo Loco. <laughs> and he goes, I'm on my way to Van Halen. I said, what? Yeah. And uh, so I missed that one, but there's another one coming, and I might just go catch him just somewhere. You know? Yeah,
2: cool. Very cool.
3: Well, Sash, thank you so much
2: for taking the time out mm.
0: to come and us. We can fit in like, one more
2: question. I, I wanted to ask you, I mean, there's uh, been some rumors that you are actually thinking about doing a solo record at some point. I wanted um, to ask you about that, if it's true, and what...
3: Well, I I definitely want to do a solo record at some point very soon. I just haven't, um, with Velvet Revolver, that takes up all your time. So as as soon as that takes a break, which um, we want to go in and do a third record. So that's the priority. And then I guess when the dust clears on that one, then I'll start putting the solo record together. But I'm sort of, you know, like compiling ideas. Some stuff will get used for Velvet, and then the other stuff that doesn't, it's just sitting. Um, If it's the right song, then I'll start you know, sort of going through that leftover stuff and see if anything's appropriate.
2: Cool. And you've had two great records with Velvet Revolver yeah. and uh, with Scott. And do you ever think about you know, there were so many big name singers that, that were rumored to be attached to you guys. You talk about some of them in the book, like Sebastian Bach and even you know Asbury from The Cult and I somebody told us Brett this was one the running. Brett, I didn't I didn't Dave Navarro you. told my wife that Brett Scallions was the new singer oh, really? of the band at one yeah. point. So do you Brett's ever great. think about what if we went with one of these other guys or um, has it just been so right with Scott? It, yeah,
3: I mean I mean Scott was actually the the main like we had a very short list of great singers that were well known that had, you know, high profile professional careers. Mm-hmm. It was a very short list and he was at the top of that list, but he was you know it's more or less unobtainable because he was still an stp and all that so um the other guys it was just it was it was something it wasn't anything against the actual singers themselves or it was just a style it was something that we were definitely wanted a certain kind of a sound we didn't know exactly what that was but certain singers just brought something into it that wasn't just quite right Mm -hmm. so when scott came in that was it and i never looked back after that. that sure are there any players,
1: uh, not even just hard rock or heavy metal players, but people that you'd love to have on your solo album when you do it?
3: There's a, there's a list of people that I want to work with, some who I, I've uh, gotten commitments from, and some I haven't really approached yet, but I'm not going to say. Right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Les, for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks yeah, for the okay.
2: free journey. We'd love it if you'd <laughs> sign our book. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. About the Troy
0: guy and how often things like that happen
2: around Oh, time. yeah. We were in here the other night, and we were hanging out, and this guy was obliterated. He was like probably about 40 years old, maybe a little older. His name was Troy, and, and he was like, you don't know who I am, do, do you? And I was like, no, I really don't. And he was like, well, I've played in some bands. And I was like, well, any bands I'd know of? And he was like, yeah, Guns N' Roses. Oh. And he was like dead serious. I thought he was kidding at, at, uh, at first, but do you... Uh, you run into people like that who claim they
3: knew you and uh, yeah, probably all the time. it happens, yeah. Um, it happens, in the, I mean, some people are really, really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I run into a lot of people that say that we hung out here and we hung out there, and I'm like, oh, okay, you like I'm going to necessarily right. remember, considering it's usually under the circumstances where y- you're not bound to remember it the next morning anyway. But, right. uh, yeah, I hear a lot of stuff like that. Thanks, man. This is so cool. Anyway. you spoken with Izzy lately? Uh, no, I was thinking about him today. I, I, last time I talked to him, I was doing Howard Stern. Oh, okay. And he called me and. and I he heard was, that interview. He was him. laughing about the one of the incidents that I mentioned. <laughs> anyway. But, oh, uh, the
2: thing about the leg? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't get into that. He I was, don't think they right
3: air <laughs> He was uh, joking about that. It's good to hear from Izzy whenever I do hear from him. It's such an awesome guy. bad. Thank you for drawing this amazing
1: <laughs> art. I think you would ever do some work with him again.
3: Who is he? Yeah. Um, you never know. I mean, we have such like a great sort of natural. You know, if he ever called me up and said you want to play on something, I'd I'd be right there. Cool. You know. Nice. What am I putting in this? Uh, Mark. I'm sorry. With a K or C? Uh, K. Awesome. Doesn't hurt to ask. Can I interject for a question? Oh. Oh yeah. Mike Clink. Uh huh. Yeah.
2: Domain names from GoDaddy.com are up to 70% less than the competition. Plus, each domain name includes free hosting with a website builder, a free blog, complete email, and much more. As a listener of the Talking Metal podcast, enter code METAL3, that's M-E-T-A-L-3, and save an additional $5 off any order of $30 or more. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. GoDaddy is the official sponsor of the Talking Metal podcast.
3: And now on the phones, Bruno from Drive
2: A. Hey. Hey, man. Hey, hey, we Bruno. finally got you on the line there. How you doing, man?
4: Uh, doing good.
2: Cool. Well thank you so much for joining us on Talking Metal Live and the Talking Metal podcast. We are really psyched to talk to you because we got a few tracks sent over by our good friend Matt Larson and they are rocking hard. Now you guys are pretty young. How old are you, Bruno? Oh uh,
4: I'm I'm fifteen.
2: You're fifteen? Wow. 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 So what do you you go to school during the day and then you play the clubs at night?
4: Uh no, I'm I'm home now. Oh, you're homeschooled. Okay.
1: Good for you, man. And you guys are playing the Key Club tonight, right?
4: Yeah, we're we're playing uh, the Key Club every uh Tuesday in April.
1: Unbelievable, man. That is so cool. Mark and I were actually hanging right outside the Key Club uh a few months back, but we didn't actually get a chance to see any bands play there and we'd love to come out sometime because they've
2: got thrown out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so Bruno, tell me what does Drive A actually mean? What what's the meaning behind that?
4: Um well, Drive A we uh we were I was teaching one of the bass players uh well, I mean, uh, our old bass player how to teach a, how to play a song and uh, what's it called and on one part he just drives a so uh, we just kind of thought it was cool and then we we kind of thought of a meaning afterwards like
2: like driving you know, the a note on on the bass
4: yeah it's kind of it's kind of like the ACDC thing like very the, Jimmy like Bane classic rock like simple stuff it's it's cool I think.
1: Hey uh, Bruno, I really like some of the tunes. Man, "Freak Out" is my favorite song. I just have to say, and I like "Alibi." "Knock 'Em Dead" is cool, and uh, the album is done, right? Yeah. Now, it, can we? C- where can people get the record?
4: Um, you can get it on our website, DriveArocks.com.
1: And it's a free download right now, right? Yeah. Which is amazing. we got to tell everybody to go to com, and not only can you hear samples of this record, but you can download it for free. And I think it's so cool that you guys are just giving it away right now.
4: Oh, yeah. We're, we're just trying to get bands right now. And I think it's the best way for people to, to really listen until they, they really get to know a band, kind of, just to get it for free, you know?
2: Bruno, how old are the other guys in the band?
4: Uh, the other guys, uh, one's 17, the bass player is 16, and the drummer is 19.
2: Wow. So, when you guys are playing at a club that's serving alcohol, I mean, is there any issues? Do the club owners freak out when they find out how young you guys are?
4: Well, we usually will play all ages, uh, all ages venues. But when, whenever, I mean, we played the Key Club about a month ago. Uh, we opened for middle school, and it was 21 and over. So, like, we we weren't allowed in the club while a lot of other bands were playing. It was, it was kind of weird, but it, it was still fun to play, though.
1: And, Bruno, I think what's really great about you guys is that you found other band members who were drug and alcohol-free.
4: Oh, yeah. It's just kind of, I don't know, we've we've always kind of just been like that, I guess.
1: I think it's great, because you said that you don't need that to to rock out. You just need the music, and I think that's amazing.
4: Yeah, well, we're, we're always busy all the time, so you can't really go out and do all that stuff, so.
2: But Bruno, I heard you do have a vice, and it's uh, from what I'm told, massive amounts of junk food and fat food. Oh
4: yeah, well yeah, that's
1: fast food. I'm trying to say.
4: Yeah, I, I eat that's all I eat basically.
1: What's your favorite fast food restaurant?
4: Um, In-N-Out Burger and uh, Chick-fil-A.
1: Ah, Chick-fil-A. I ai remember that uh, in in a couple of malls, like it's like uh, you know chicken sandwiches and stuff. I love that. Yeah. Do you know there's a an actual arena somewhere called the Chick-fil-A Center? I don't know. I I have no clue. There really is. You know how like you have Madison Square Garden, and then you have the Civic Arena, but now got changed to the uh, Mellon Arena, and that's in Pittsburgh. Now there's like some new arena, and Chick Fil A is now their owner, and it's called the Chick Fil A Center. I forgot what city that's in, but that Uh, that's how big that place is now. I did spend a night once in the In and Out Motel. (laughs) (laughs) Is it not to be associated with In and Out Burger? No, you broke your wrist snowboarding recently, right?
2: Or was that a while ago?
4: Uh, about a year ago.
2: And it's all healed up, yeah. all right. Cool. And you guys it spun that off into a song.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was kind of. It's not really the the meaning of the song. It's kind. I kind of just used it as like a metaphor of the song. It's because I, I broke my wrist snowboarding, and then I kind of. I kind of wanted to make it into something like. I don't know, just more like that means more than just falling down and breaking her arm, you
1: know? Right. So, Bruno, tell us about you guys are getting ready to go out with Cheap Trick?
4: Oh, no. Uh, we, we played with Cheap Trick in December, a few gigs.
1: That's great. And you have people like Tommy Lee and Don Henley and all these, like, top guys thinking you're cool.
4: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I don't... It's it's really weird to have that. You
1: know? I don't know. I was going to
2: ask you who you grew up listening to, but I think you're you're still growing up, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Good for you, man. I wish I was only 15. <laughs> cool man well we'll let you go and uh, i wish you all the 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 best of luck tonight at your show at the at the key club right i wish i was there
4: oh thanks thanks for having me
2: on Oh, you hey no problem man anytime you bet and when you come through new york please let us know and hopefully we can hook up for an in-person interview that would be cool yeah excellent i'm gonna get into a song right now which has just an enormous riff called thrown away tell me about this riff who came up with it
4: uh i did.
2: Oh nice, nice. I, I hear I hear like big ACDC sounding. Uh what what else? Almost like the song doesn't sound Sabbathy, but at times the riff does.
4: Yeah, I, I kind of almost like a uh, like Jimi Hendrix too. I don't know, I just I man, we just jammed the cool riff, I guess.
2: Cool. Bruno, can we get you to say an ID saying your name and the name of your band and and you're listening to talking metal? Okay. Whenever you're okay. ready. Okay.
4: Hey, this is Bruno from Drive A, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
2: And this is Thrown Away by Drive A. Thanks, Bruno. Have a good night.
4: Okay.
2: Thanks, Bruno.